Today on Crossroads and Culture, I'm going to be touching on a lot of different issues that, that to me seem like a, a, they're wildfires that are just raging out of control in our nation here in the United States, as well as uh, countries around the world. And these are issues that, that we should be very concerned about and give a voice to. Things like lockdowns and censorship, government overreach, inflation, cancel culture, Marxist ideology, critical race theory, and race issues, and and maybe touch on some other things as well. That's what I'll be talking about today on Crossroads and Culture. Hey guys, welcome to Crossroads and Culture, where life, ministry, and culture meet. And no, we did not start the fire, but we are trying to fight it. And the truth is that this world is on fire. I'm not a firefighter, at least not professionally, but what I do know is that when there is a fire that needs to be extinguished, it's best to use water, not gasoline. I mean, that just makes sense, right? But from what I'm currently observing in our culture, maybe you are as well, is that we have a world that is on fire and it is being doused with gasoline. Now, I'm not talking about a dumpster fire, but a worldwide fire that is continuing to increase and intensify, it seems, as many are, are asleep and, and just unaware. I don't, I don't think this is alarmist. I know some might say, well, this is just, you know, you're making it sound like the, the, the world is going down in flames. Well, currently it kind of it is. And when you look at all the vast issues that we're facing in the United States and, and even around the world, I was looking at some uh, news reports today, Athens, Greece, in France. Um, I mean, they're just in South Africa. You see what's going on there. There's just a lot that's taking place and this world is unraveling. And from my perspective as a follower of Jesus and what the scriptures teach the only hope for this world is Jesus. I mean, it's not going to be political ideology. It's not going to be government control. It's not going to be a vaccine. It's not going to be um, even re- religion. It's it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ because he is our only hope. Um, as we're looking at this world, there are just a lot of things that are happening. I mentioned it in the, the intro, the lockdowns, the censorship, government overreach, uh, cancel culture, Marxist, Marxist, Marxist ideology. Uh, critical race theory uh, and other race issues and and gosh, so many so many others right so like I said this world is on fire and something needs to change something has to change so I'm gonna just touch on some issues today of what I see as being some of the cultural wildfires that that are raging out of control and maybe at the end of this, the end of this maybe talking about well what what can we do I mean what how are we to respond to this? The first issue that, that I want to just briefly touch on is is government overreach uh, here in the United States. I think about what's taking place and how government just continues to increase more and more and more. And we're seeing them 
really try to take taking more control as it relates to to censorship, digital censorship specifically, and working with big tech companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter. You have Instagram on there and YouTube also, and, and others to censor any material that the government deems misinformation. Yesterday, uh, the White House finally admitted that they were working with big tech um, after it's become obvious that that what they had initially seemed to try to, to hide has now come to light, um, even to the degree of their desire to monitor text messages that, that they deem misinformation, specifically about the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, I also saw uh, today where uh, Jen Psaki, uh, who is the press secretary for the Biden administration for the White House, um, made the statement that if you're banned on one social media platform for disinformation or misinformation, you should be banned on every social media platform. Now, I'm going to talk about why that's problematic. It's problematic on its face, but even more so because it's not just about COVID-19 vaccine. So um, so what they're censoring um, are data and facts that have been confirmed regarding the number of injuries, deaths, and COVID-19 cases that have resulted due to, and, and even in spite of, uh, the shot. Um, there, there are a variety of, of research and data that's out there, even some things that have been put out by the CDC that the government is contradicting, even like in California right now. California's rolling out mask mandates again, and, and obviously the vaccines that are taking place in California uh, and their their own government agencies in the state of California said something that went completely against what the CDC has said. There's so much contradiction that has happened, and there are so many things that have changed. The CDC has changed their stance on masks and other things um, over the course of this year or now more than a year. So many times, you don't know what to believe, and that leaves people really confused. Um, and that's a problem. It's an issue. But But going back to the misinformation, don't think that this will stop with just vaccines, by the way, talking about government overreach. This is going to be applied to anything that the government would label as mis- misinformation. And not just the government, but big big tech companies. I mean, being flagged on social media platforms if you don't comply or, or um, you're not in ide- ideological agreement with their beliefs or their values or practices, you're, you're going to be flagged, right? This is no longer a veiled reality. The big tech leaders and, and our government leaders now seem to kind of boast in their power to control the dialogue so as to to shape their narrative. So don't think that this is just going to stop with COVID-19 or the vaccines. Uh, this is going to be applied to anything that that they uh, would deem as misinformation. So just know that we're, we're going to see that um, continue to increase. And here's why I think this is important for us to know and talk about, is because nothing's going to change until people start taking their freedom more seriously than they do convenience and comfort and vices that we often find on our devices. Um, think I've heard people say before, well, I don't know how I'm going to keep up with people if I, if I get rid of Facebook or if I'm not on Twitter. Uh, here's the thought. How about calling people um, and going to visit them? I think, you know, what to me, that's where real relationships really flourish is, is this connection. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that those who are on your, who are your Facebook friends, so to speak, or those who follow you on Instagram or on Twitter, you know, most of them, you, you you're not really you're not really friends with. There's only going only going to be a really a handful or a few people that you're really going to keep in touch with that are going to be f- true friends of yours. Um, but I hear this all the time, and it just they just they're they're so hooked to to social media 
they're having a hard time disconnecting from that. And the truth of the matter is, as long as you give them their business, they're going to continue to do what they're going to do. And so that's a choice you're going to have to make. I mean, I'm not telling you you should do that, need to do that. I, I just know for me personally, uh, it's been a great decision for me, but nothing's going to change um, until until they see that people are serious about not being censored this way. And whenever they lose people who are using their product, they're going to make changes because the bottom line is all that matters to them. So just know that. Um, back to the government overreach, going back to COVID-19 vaccines, we know that this is this is something that the government is pushing because now the Biden administration uh, is implementing door-to-door campaign, uh, door-to-door campaign to pressure uh, people who have not been vaccinated to get vaccinated, and 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 I would say some people may say that pressuring is a small is a strong word, but the reality is that's exactly what it is. They've not met their goals as to how many people they want to see vaccinated. There are a lot of people who are concerned about it because of the injuries and the deaths that have been reported. This the the things that the reactions that people are having with the vaccines, and these aren't small cases. If you go to VAERS, V A E R S, um, which is a government website, it's a it's where people can report. Issues that they have with vaccines, not just the COVID vaccine, but any vaccine, they can report injuries or any kind of side effects or any kind of reactions, negative reactions they have to this. There are multiple and multiple numbers of reports on VAERS. And now, as you would imagine, um, there are people saying, well, those aren't really true numbers. Well, of course, they're they're not. They're going to say that they're not true numbers because they want to protect um, what they're trying to do in pushing people to become vaccinated or whatever it may be. Uh, now, just know that I, I'm not here. If you want to get the vaccine or maybe you've gotten the vaccine, that's your prerogative. That's your choice. And I think that's the big issue is that instead of us having our freedom uh, to choose what we do, the government is wanting to choose this for us. And they're using this guise, this covering as public health safety um, as the reasoning behind this. The problem with that is, is that you're finding that there are people who have, who've had COVID, who have had the vaccine that are continuing to get, who have continued to get the COVID uh, the, the virus. You've got people who have taken the vaccine who unfortunately have died from this. And so when you, when you look at this, I want to be able to have the, the freedom to choose what I put in my body. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few moments. But, but back to the door-to-door campaigns um, to pressure people who have not been vaccinated to get vaccinated. What they're going to say is they want to make it easier for people to get vaccinated. It's pretty easy right now. You can go to Kroger. You can go to other places and get vaccinated. Um, and I do realize that there are some people who maybe they can't drive on driver's licenses uh, or they're not able to get out and they want to go to the people. I understand that aspect of it. But the problem is it's not just a door-to-door campaign. There are other things that the government are are supporting, um, such as making life harder for people who don't get vaccinated, looking at the universities who are saying students can't come back to school unless they're vaccinated. Um, even, even people on CNN making the statement that they want to make it hard for Americans who have not received the vaccine. One such person is... CNN medical contributor, Dr. Liana Wynn, she suggested Saturday that life needs to be, and these are her words, need to be hard for Americans who have not received a COVID-19 vaccine and individuals who refuse to get shot should perhaps face weekly testings. She said it needs to be hard for people to remain unvaccinated. Now, now, Liana Wynn was the former Planned Parenthood president, so that poses for me uh, a a problem right there as, as it is. 
But she went on to say, right now, it's kind of opposite. Unvaccinated people that she said um, can, at the moment, go about their lives as normal without any consequence, which that should be the case. We should have the choice of whether or not we're vaccinated or not. But at some point, these mandates by workplaces, by schools, she thinks, will be important to say, hey, you can opt out, but if you want to opt out, you have to sign these forms or you have to get twice weekly testing. In other words, they want to they control what we do or what people do if you don't get the vaccine. She closed this statement that she made on CNN. She said, basically, we need to make getting vaccinated the easy choice. So, so, so this government overreach of saying you really don't have a choice in the matter of whether or not you want to get vaccinated. Now, I know right now it's not mandated, but everything we see is leading up to that. I just saw, again, today, the president uh, of France who was saying that by August, those who have not been vaccinated can't go to the supermarket. They can't go to restaurants or theaters. Basically, they're saying if you don't get the vaccine, your life is going to pretty much come to a, a standstill. You're not going to be able to do anything. And now there's rioting in the streets uh, in France because of this. Um, in Athens, Greece, I was seeing where they're wanting to vaccinate children and teenagers. And as a result of that, there's been um, protests that are taking place uh, in the streets of, of Athens, not because they're against the fac- vaccine so much, although I'm sure there are people who are against the vaccine r- regarding vaccinating children and teenagers, but more that they're against the government telling them what they must do. They want to be able to have the freedom to choose. And I think that is at, is, that's the heart of the issue, is giving people the opportunity to choose what they put into their body. Now, I was referring to um, this medical contributor, Dr. Liana Wynn, who was on CNN, um, who was the former president of Planned Parenthood. So speaking of Planned Parenthood, I find it interesting, but not surprising, that when it comes to what has been championed as a woman's health care issue, like abortion, um, they would say it's a woman's body and her choice. Um that, that the government is cool with that statement. Hey, it's, it's her body, it's her choice, she can do whatever she wants to. So when it comes to abortion issue, the government is, is full-on okay with women making those choices, and it's all under this umbrella, so to speak, of women's health care, which allowing a woman to have an abortion or a woman getting an abortion really is not a woman's health care issue. Um, so, so, but when it comes to the COVID shot, let me get back to this. When it comes to the, the COVID shot, it's not your body and your choice as to what you put into it. That's the government stance, right? You, 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 it's not your choice. You need to be vaccinated. Now, I can hear some people say, yeah, but abortion's not a health issue that puts others at risk. And I would say to you, tell that to the preborn child who is living in a mother's womb. You've destroyed their life, and thus, you've destroyed their future. So don't tell me it doesn't affect anybody else. So, so there's this contradiction and, and the contradiction exists because they're going to make you do what you don't want to do, especially if it goes against their ideology. And so that's government overreach. And we're seeing it now within our culture where, where, where people are falling in line with what the government is saying. Joy Behar, right? I mean, she's the resident expert of everything, apparently. But she told co- the co- her co-host on, uh, on ABC's The View on Tuesday that teenagers who want the COVID-19 vaccine should be able to get it without their parents' consent. She made one statement that she said her kids are, 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 have been smarter to her, than her at, many times, which, honestly, that's not, that's not saying a whole lot. But nonetheless, she said this. She added this. These kids are at the mercy of these ignorant parents in my opinion. And yes, they should be allowed to do it. Do it. What she's saying is get the vaccine without their parents' consent. 
Uh, not only that, but people are being pressured at work. I was made aware by a friend who works at a hospital that parking signs for up-close parking are being made for those who've been vaccinated. Isn't that discrimination? I mean, if you get the vaccine, you, you, you get this. But if you don't get the vaccine, you don't get this. I, I think that's discrimination. Again, we should have the freedom to choose whether or not we are going to be vaccinated. We have universities and schools that are seeking to make it mandatory for students coming to class to be vaccinated. And any who aren't need to make other arrangements, according to the president of Purdue University uh, and other schools as well. And so I know that uh, the attorney general in South Carolina um, has challenged this in, in the schools in South Carolina, specifically the University of Charleston. Um, and since then, that university has had to change its position. Again, it goes back to being a personal choice. I mean, if your faith is in the vaccine that it will keep you from getting COVID, that's your choice. But you shouldn't worry about those who are unvaccinated because according to your own logic and the government's logic, you're safe, right? So when it comes to the vaccine, don't try to make the choice for me or, or anyone else for that matter. I mean, it was and, and is no different regarding masks as well. If you believe they work and protect you, great. You shouldn't be worried about someone who's socially distanced and not wearing a mask. You're good, maybe based on your own logic. Don't say it's based on the science because the science doesn't back that up. And the reason I know that to be true is because we've seen that in Anthony Fauci's emails that have been released, the emails that were leaked and that have been documented that now has gone before a hearing in Congress and um, is well documented that in his emails he made the statement that the masks uh, are not effective. Um, the only masks that would be somewhat effective are the medical-grade masks, which a huge majority of the public don't have. Um, I would say probably 95% plus don't have. They have cut-out sleeves from T-shirts with strings that they put around their ear, and they think that's going to protect them from COVID. Or they have these, quote-unquote, surgical masks that are going to protect them from the COVID virus. And, and the reality is that there's much research that's been done to show that it's not the case. And even Anthony Fauci, the one who have many have believed— um, to kind of be the patron saint of, of, of protection when it comes to, to COVID-19, said in his own email that they're really not that effective. And there's several other things he said in his emails as well that were very eye-opening. And quite honestly, I think he is complicit uh, in crimes against humanity when it comes to all that's taking place in COVID-19. That would be another podcast. So, so it should be a personal choice. Uh, I mean, they should not tell us what we need to put in our body. And if you've had the vaccine again, that's fine. That's your prerogative. But don't place your prerogative and what you choose to do on anybody else. I do have a question, though. If the government and the medical community were so certain of the safety of the vaccine as they're promoting, and they are. I mean, I've heard radio commercials um, from different celebrities, from coaches who are going on saying, get the vaccine, it's safe. Um, then why can't Big Pharma or the government be liable like other companies who manufacture medications? Or medicines. I mean, when you look at TV and you watch drug commercials, they spend about 10 seconds actually talking about the product and what it can do. And the rest of the time of the commercial, they're talking about all the side effects. And if you don't believe me, just, just watch TV tonight because you're going to see a multitude of commercials for medicines, prescriptions, and all those things for new diseases and new uh, diagnoses that I've, I've never, I'd never heard of before. But when it comes to COVID shot, you don't see anything. I saw a documented video of a professor. Actually, he was he's a doctor um, who had three uh, uh, boxes of Moderna's vaccine. He had three of his students come up, and they each had an unopened box of the Moderna vaccine. They were all the same. They showed it. They zoomed in on the video on the boxes so you could see that these were actually um, the uh, the shots, the vaccines. 
they all three open the boxes. And when they open the boxes, inside of that, there's a, a sheet of paper. Typically on that sheet of paper, it talks about all the side effects. It talks about uh, you know all the things, all the uh, disclaimers that come with that. And, and typically, it's very, very small print, and it fills up the whole page. In each of these three boxes, they open up the paper, and they were blank. And, and, on, and on the back of that was written um, just a small disclaimer statement. That was it. But there was nothing on there. And the question is, why, why would they? If, they? if they would say that this vaccine is safe, uh, if they trust the efficacy of it, that it works, then why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they say, hey, this is guaranteed? And the reason they can't is because it's an experimental vaccine. It's not even been approved by the FDA. So, so it's an experimental vaccine. And we could go more into that. I would just simply say this. If you've not yet been vaccinated and you're thinking about getting vaccinated, that's fine. Do the research. But do research that doesn't come from CNN, MSNBC, or even the CDC because they've changed it so many times you don't know. Look at other reports from from medical doctors that are legitimate doctors um, who are very well qualified. They're credentialed. um, And there's much information out there that you can find about those things and then make the best decision for you. Um, But but again, I'm not going to tell you not to get the shot. You do what you want. It's your choice. But in the same way, allow me and others who don't want to be va- vaccinated that same that same freedom. So, I mean, I could go on about this, but hopefully you get the point. That's talking about the government over- overreach. Another one is that that I think is a wildfire that's that's just blazing in in our culture is government misinformation. They they're trying to protect or they're trying to. Um, censor what they would deem misinformation, yet at the same time, they're giving out misinformation. Let me give an example. Um, we talk about the, we've been talking about COVID, so the coronavirus. Um, it had been said from the beginning that this was not a leak from the Wuhan lab, right? That this virus, it, 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 uh, uh, it was not the, the, the China virus or, um, or the Wuhan lab virus, that it was not leaked, but it was rather from nat- natural transmission. Um, but However, we're seeing evidence now from numerous sources. I mean, credible sources. These, the ones that, that people would say these are conspiracy theorists, we're, I'm not even talking about those. I'm talking about serious sources, credible sources, um, even those who have worked with Anthony Fauci in his leaked emails. You begin to see this, that the virus was manufactured with the, uh, in, the, in the Wuhan lab, right? We're seeing evidence of that now. In addition to that, it's now been confirmed that the National Institute of Health, right, Fauci's organization, did have knowledge of and give approval for what's known as gain-of-function research within the labs, which is creating pathogens that are fatal to humans. Now, there are, there are many problems with this, but specifically that Anthony Fauci denied any funding by the U.S. government. He ever actually went before hearing, before Congress, denying the fact that there was any funding given by the U.S. government to gain-of-function research. We know that that's not true now through the emails that have been leaked um, that the U.S. Had, government had allocated funds for that. In other words, Fauci and the Biden administration and about 22, actually 20 plus scientists all knew what was going on, yet lied to the American people and the world. Let me give you one example. Let me Actually, I'm going to give you a couple examples, but one example is Peter Daszak, um, a nonprofit executive whose organization sent nearly $600,000 in, in our taxpayer dollars, U.S. taxpayer dollars, to a Chinese lab um, that may well have been the source of of COVID-19, he masterminded an effort near the start of the pandemic to squelch the notion that the coronavirus was, it was man-made. Um, this Dazit guy, in case you know, he's a president of, of 
Echo Health Alliance. It's a, it's a New York City-based company, uh, and they um, very discreetly organized a statement um, that was put out by the medical, the British Medical Journal, which is very influential, uh, and it was known as the Lancet Report, and it was in February of 2020. And Vanity Fair, the magazine Vanity Fair, uh, they caught wind of this, and they reported this um, in their February 2020 issue. Um, that, or no, actually, it was a little bit later than February 2020. The Lancet Report came out in 2020 in February. But a total of 27 scientists, according to Vanity Fair, including Peter Daszak, um, who's a trained uh, zoologist, he signed the statement, which expressed, and I'm quoting here, solidarity with all scientists and health professionals in China. Uh, we stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. That's what the statement said. He goes on to say, conspiracy theories do nothing but create fear, rumors, and prejudice that jeopardize our global collaboration in the fight against the virus. That's what Peter um, Daszak said, along with these uh, 27 scientists who signed this Lancet report or this statement. Um, so, But during Peter Daszak's efforts to, to put together this Lancet statement, he he reportedly emailed two scientists, including Dr. Ralph Barrick, he's of the University of North Carolina, who'd worked with the lead coronavirus researcher uh, at China's Wuhan Institute of Virology, um, which was at the very you know center of all this as outbreak. Um, Dazik, he told the scientists that they, quote, should not sign this statement so it has some distance from us and therefore doesn't work in a counterproductive way. And that's cited out of Vanity Fair magazine. And there were emails that were obtained by uh, the group U.S. Right to Know. Here's another quote by Peter Daszak. We'll then put it out in a way that doesn't link it back to our collaboration so we maximize an independent voice. Now, he also, Peter Daszak did, tweeted on December 10th, 2020. He said, and this is his, this is his tweet, important error in this piece, no bats, and he capitalized bats, were sent to Wuhan lab for genetic analyses of viruses collected in the field. That's not how science works. We collect bat samples, send them to the lab. We release, that's all caps as well, we release bats where we catch them. Now, here's a problem with that. He tweeted that December 20, 2020, but uh, just a, a few months ago, Sky News in Australia released a video um, from the research team that was investigating. I think they're, they were, they're known by the name Drastic. Um, they released video from, from uh, the, of their investigation, where they in fact did have bats in the Wuhan lab. I mean that was in plain sight. And you, now you have the the guy who's the whatever they call him the the head guy of of the World Health Organization. His last name is Tedros. I guess that's how you pronounce it. He told you he told reporters that um, uh, that the UN Health Agency is quote this is a quote of his. The UN Health Agency is actually ask, is asking uh, China to be transparent, open, and cooperate, especially on the information, raw data, that we asked for at the early days of the pandemic. He said that there had been a premature push to rule out the theory the virus might have escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan. Did you catch that? He said there had been a premature push to rule out the theory that the virus might have escaped from a Chinese government lab in Wuhan, undermining the WHO's own March report, which concluded that a laboratory leak was extremely unlikely. He went on to say this, and this is a quote directly from 
Tedros from the World Health Organization. He said, I was a lab technician myself. I'm an immunologist, and I've worked in the lab, and lab accidents happen. It's common. It's common. That, in case you didn't hear that, he said it's common. China did not share data with the World Health Organization team during the first investigation he added. Okay, so there's that. So now, so now you've got all of this stuff. And you, and, and you may remember early on when Senator Tom Cotton, who's from my state of Arkansas, he, voiced, uh, was, he was one of the first that voiced his concerns about COVID-19 virus being developed in the Wuhan lab. And he was excoriated by the media and those in Congress and, and much of the general public. And he was called a xenophobe. He was called a racist. And even religious leaders labeled Christians who began to think that this could be a possibility. Even religious leaders labeled us uh, uh, who believed this, that it could have been created in a lab, as conspiracy theorists who were doing harm to the church and our Christian witness. One in particular is Ed Stetzer, uh, who wrote in an article relatively early in the pandemic, which there in and of itself is an issue, I believe, is because instead of letting things pan out and play out, it's almost like you have to be the first to get the article out and have an opinion about it. But here's what happens when you have things that come out early and you've not done enough research, and he's a researcher, um, to see this. He said this, and I, and I quote, this is from Ed Stetzer's article in his blog that he wrote back, I think it was in April 15th of 2020. He said, if you want to believe that some secret lab created COVID-19 as a biological weapon, and now everyone is covering that up, I can't stop you. If you want to believe one of the dozens of conspiracy theories already circulating, that's your call. But if you do, what will you do when people start believing that the vaccine is also part of this conspiracy? End quote. That was quoted by Ed Stetzer. And he does a lot of research. He's um, he's been he's connected with Wheaton College. He was he was part of Lifeway, which is a, was an, uh, an extension of the Southern Baptist Convention's uh, network, uh, Southern Baptist Convention. And and he made that statement. So so what he's saying is that if you thought that this could have been produced in a lab as as a biological weapon or produced produced in a lab, then then he can't stop you from being a conspiracy theorist in that. And if you want to believe the other you know conspiracy theories that are circulating, that's your call. Well, some of the things he talked about being conspiracy theories was um, religious liberty, you know, um, being threatened, which now, <laughs> uh, hopefully he's seeing that he was premature in what he was talking about. He was premature in making the statement about the virus not being fabricated and created in the lab. I- I'm hoping he'll come back and retract what he said, or at least say, you know what, I was wrong in saying that. Because as much as he was talking about that kind of conspiracy theories, uh, theory thinking like the virus could be created in a lab, as much as he was saying that that could cause division within the church, this kind of stuff that he's mentioned is what's contributed to division in the church. So all that being said is that there are religious leaders who've been saying this as well. Yet now we've become aware that since, the day, since day one, it's evident through documented sources that China had a massive cover-up, uh, destroying samples, hiding records, and even imprisoning scientists. I mean, that should have been a, a huge red flag. Um, if the story was a lab story origin, it would have been a problem. So they had to cover it up, right? So Jamie Metzl, who was, who's a former NSC official, a self-professed progressive Democrat, was talking about gain-of-function function research and stated that Fauci would not want a lab leak because U.S. funding has been used for gain-of-function research, which involves manipulating viruses, as I said earlier, that result in dangerous and lethal pathogens. Um, such as the the coronavirus. Um, so all that all that being said, there was a lot of things that have been have been covered up. We've we it's just it's been documented, and so there's misinformation that's been given out by our government. As a matter of fact, it, we'll just call it what it is. There's just flat out lies, and now they're coming to light. Um, so 
we see that. Now, let me talk again about misinformation um, about vaccines. This is what I've studied and what I've found. You can do your own research, and if you find something differently, then then please, by all means, um, talk about that. Um, but to their own admission, the government would say this is an experimental vaccine. That's their own admission. Um, a question I have is if the government has without information about the origins of the coronavirus due to the culpability and, and them being tied to that, then what makes us think that, that they would be forthcoming about the effects of the vaccine? Here's a fact. There are doctors and nurses who have been ordered by hospital administrators not to report any adverse effects related to administering the COVID-19 vaccine. You say, where are you finding that? Well, I mean, it's been publicly noted, videoed. It was on a news station in Houston, Texas, about Methodist Hospital in Houston, Texas. So we know that that's true. It's not just with that hospital. It's other places as well. There are medical professionals who are literally leaving their jobs because they are more concerned about people's health um, than they are um, protecting the narrative or protecting the government in this. Here's another fact. In early July, the Public Health of England reported that there were 117 total deaths due to the Delta variant, which this is apparently the variant variant that's happening now that we're seeing some we're seeing COVID cases that are taking place. And again, let me talk about this real quickly. Without a doubt, the coronavirus is a real thing. So I don't want you to think that I think it's not an existent and it's not a real thing. My wife and I had this early on of probably February of last year. So we we realize that. We understand this. Um but this Delta variant, of those who died, only 44 were unvaccinated. So out of the 117, only 44 were unvaccinated. 50 were fully vaccinated, and 23 had one dose of the vaccine. That means that 63% of those who died were either vaccinated or partially vaccinated, which brings into question the true efficacy of the vaccine. In addition, it's being reported that those who received the vaccines are still contracting and susceptible to COVID-19. That's why you're seeing what's happening in California and other places saying, if you've had the vaccine, you still need the masks. However, when all this was being talked about and rolling out the vaccine, even Fauci said this, that if you have the vaccine, you're not going to need to wear a mask. Well, now he's changed. He's flip-flopped so many times, it's not even funny. Here's another fact. I mentioned this just a few moments ago, that non-medical grade masks in particular have not been effective. And that's per Anthony Fauci as being quoted in his own released emails. And there's other verified scientific data regarding the effectiveness of masks. Here's another fact. The survivability rate of COVID-19 per the CDC is still, ages 0 to 19, 99.997%. So there is almost a 100% survivability rate. Ages 20 through 49, 99.98%. It's actually higher than the younger uh, that younger bracket by, you know, a very, very minute percentage. Ages 50 through 69, which is the group that I'm in, 99.5% survivability rate. And then ages 70 plus, which my parents are in, 94.6% survivability rate. Now, no doubt there are people, family members who've lost loved ones. I've had family members who have been hospitalized because of, because of COVID, extended family. And so I know it's a real deal. I've had close friends who have battled and almost lost their life due to having COVID. And there are a lot of maybe extenuating circumstances that would go with that too. Um, So it's a very real thing. But when we look at the survivability rate, there are many other diseases we see where the survivability rate of cancer uh, and of other issues that uh, illnesses that people have um, is lower, much lower than this. So just know that there's been a lot of misinformation that's been given out by the government. The other thing that they say is, uh, I think, is trust the science, except when you can't trust the science. 
So maybe a better phrase is to trust the science when they tell you to and don't trust it when they tell you not to. I'll give you an example. It's convenient for them to say trust the science when it comes to COVID or when it comes to whatever else that they want to put out there. But when it comes to a biological man or a biological woman um, uh, being a biological man and a biological woman, they would say it's not necessarily a man or a woman, right? If they don't feel like a woman, they're not a man, they're not a woman. Yet they are denying the very science that says and is very evident that a biological man is a man and a biological woman is a woman. So, I mean, it just it doesn't make sense to say um, that uh, it just I don't know, it just it blows my mind. Uh, so we this again, wildfire, right? Just the world is on fire. Just no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. And I find that this just so ironic because this is the community of people who say that Christians are people who don't believe in science. I'll just leave that there. Then we have another raging wildfire of cancel culture. Right? This has been going on for a while now. And, and, but here's what we're seeing, is that cancel culture is beginning to turn on their own. Right? Never before uh, have I seen uh, so many who are fearful of being canceled. And that speaks more to, I think, personal insecurity than it does to sensitivity of others. I think too many are fearful of being ostracized or isolated or unfriended or unfollowed and unloved, so they pander. They compromise. And often it's with a self-justified response of, well, we need to walk in the middle ground in order to reach more. When in reality, it's more indicative of wokeness and naivete. That pandering, accommodating, or compromising is somehow going to to give you an opportunity to speak truth. But here's the truth. If you can't and won't speak truth and love in all places, then you're going to find yourself being disingenuous in all ways. That's just how it is. So there's cancel culture. It's not just not just in secular culture. We're seeing it even religious cancel culture. We saw this with masks, and we've seen it with vaccines now. It's just an example. I mean, if you don't wear the masks or get the shot, then you are unloving and uncaring. That, that's kind of the statement in, 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 in churches across this nation, even probably around the world. One church, I saw this. It was an actual picture in an article. One church uh, that apparently thought they were doing the loving thing by adding signs on pews for those who have been vaccinated and those who have not in actuality, is creating more of a divide and cultivating a cancel culture even without even being aware that they're doing that. I mean, that was in a church. If you've been vaccinated, here are the pews you can sit in. If you've not been vaccinated, uh, or if you have been vaccinated, you sit in these pews. If you've not been vaccinated, you can sit in these other pews. It's just, it's, this, is not, this is not what we need to be focused on. Um, and as a body of believers, as believers in Christ, and yet we're it's just it, oh, it just blows my mind. Another another fire that's raging out of control I see in our world is this Marxist ideology. I mean, read up on Marxist ideology, and you'll see that where this administration, the United States, is leading the U.S. and what's taking place within public education, the corporate world, and even within many churches in the U.S., we're already waist deep in this. I, I mentioned it before on one of my podcasts, um, "Live Not by Lies." Um, it's a, a book by Rod Dreher. I would encourage you to read this. Um, but we're seeing this, and it's, it's being infiltrated in our, in our culture and woven into the fabric of this culture across the board. Critical race theory is nothing more than an attempt to create a race war within our culture, which comes from Marxist ideology. I mean, personally, I don't believe that there is systemic racism that exists in our country. Racism absolutely exists in every form among every race. We see that. Uh, we're sin- sinful people, and I'm not justifying it. It's just it's the reason. It's it's why racism is the symptom of a much deeper issue. 
without a doubt, the systemic issue is is sin. You know, our, our nation has a past, we know that. But even in our past, you're going to see those who fought for people to be treated equally. Um, and we see how how even um, African American uh, African Americans and and uh, other um, uh, minority groups um, are finding themselves uh, in positions of leadership. They're having opportunities to get jobs that they want to get. And are, is there more that can be done? Absolutely. But as far as systemic racism, I just don't believe that that's the case. Uh, I was watching yesterday as I was eating lunch with a friend of mine. We were in a restaurant, and on the television there was a story. Um, about a uh, a black gentleman who uh, was walking, I think they said like two to two and a half hours uh, to work. Um, I think it was each way, one way. Um, it was like twenty four plus miles to his job, and the reason he was walking to his work was because his truck had broken down. He didn't ha- he did not have the money to to get it repaired, and so he's walking. And on on this particular day. Uh, a, a radio host in Chicago, he's a Chicago radio host, a, a white man, saw this this black gentleman walking uh, to work, didn't know what was going on, so he asked him if he wanted to ride, and uh, the black gentleman got in his vehicle, and as they began to talk and converse, he found out that this this man's truck was broken down and he didn't have the money to repair it, so he was having to walking, walk back and forth to, to work, which speaks to another thing, by the way, is that that that's the kind of work ethic people need to have, that they're willing to do whatever it takes to get to work, to do a day's work, uh, to earn a living. Um, and, and, and that's how we, we that, that's, that's how we should be, I believe. It's not about getting handouts. It's about giving people a hand up. We want to help them out. So this, the Chicago radio host went back and began a, uh, a social media uh, campaign to raise funds to help uh, provide for this man's repairs for his truck. And they raised the funds and, um, got this man's truck repaired, and this man was very grateful. Now, you say, well, that's just one story. Well, I, I see and I hear stories like that all the time. I mean, I have my own personal experiences in life that I can relate to, but also see other people as well. Um, and so the media is going to do whatever it can um, to try to create this narrative that there is systemic racism, and they are in on wanting to cause a race war. And I think critical race theory and what they're wanting to teach in schools doesn't help bridge the divide in bringing about reconciliation and restoration as it relates to race, um, but it's causing a greater divide. I think about Black Lives Matter and other left-wing ideologues and organizations that are supporting communist regimes like like Cuba, who are oppressing their citizens. You see what's happening right now with Cuba and and all of the the peaceful protests and protesting that is going on places like Florida and other where where the Cuban government, the communist governor of Cuba, is literally not just oppressing their citizens, but in many cases throwing them in jail and in some cases killing these, their own citizens. Now these Cuban people are people who are oppressed by a communist regime. But now you have Black Lives Matter, who matters who they're operating under this guise of leading the social justice cause here in the United States for those who are being oppressed, yet they don't care about oppression across the board, apparently. It's an organization that is nothing more than causing division, creating anarchy, and making money. If you don't believe me, go back and look at the money that they've made and who's made it and what's not being done for those they claim to represent. There's plenty of evidence. Another tenet of Marxist ideology that we're seeing happen in our culture in the United States specifically is is wealth distribution. Now, that's becoming hugely popular. We've seen that with Bernie Sanders, with 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, um, the idea of taking from those who are wealthy and redistributing that wealth to those who aren't. Um, so the idea of hard work and earning a wage for the work you do is eroding from the fabric of our society. It, the numbers reveal that many during the pandemic and even after the businesses began to reopen had become dependent upon the government's benefits, right? This COVID relief, so to speak. And, and at the beginning, I would say, yes, it was helpful because many people had lost their jobs due to this. Um, it's part of the reason why we would pay taxpayer dollars to help in times like this. But as a result, many businesses now are having a hard time finding employees, people who want to come back to work. And, and the reason why is because the benefits that they're getting, they're like, I, I'm getting these benefits from the government, uh, and I'm getting just as much, if not more, than what I was making when I was working in a job. And so they're staying home. Fortunately, many places, many states are now cutting back that funding and the federal funding that comes with that so that it would be an incentive for people to get back to work. And I mean, here it is, surprise, surprise, it's working. People are starting to go back slowly back to work as a result of that. Now, if you're one who believes in wealth distribution, then here's, I mean, here's, here's a practical way that you can literally put your money where your mouth is. So this month, if, if, if you are a firm believer in and socialism and 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 wealth distribution. So here's what I want to ask you to do. If you have a job this month, I want to encourage you um, to ask your employer to begin redistributing 80% of your paycheck each month, money that you've worked hard to earn um, to those who aren't working, but but who are able to work. So so if if you really believe in this ideology and you think capitalism is such a bad thing, and look. With any kind of system and any kind of um, a structure, there are going to be um, positives and negatives. But when you look at capitalism and you begin to see people working hard to gain a wage and do whatever they have to to make ends meet, um, it, it is the best system that, we, that, that exists in the world. There are people who are dying to come to America because of the fact that they can earn a living here with hard work. So, so if, but if you think that wealth distribution is the way, um, and it is the best way to do this. If you're in the Bernie Sanders camp, the AOC camp, on all that kind of stuff, if you if you're kind of have this leftist ideology, then here's what I ask you to do. Be serious about what your beliefs are. Ask your employer to begin redistributing 80% of your paycheck each month, money you've worked hard to earn, um, to those who, who don't work um, but are able to work. Also, here's another thought. If you have a car or property, allow those who don't have a car or any property, allow them to share yours. Um by the way, that's that's part of the UN's Great Reset Plan. If you're not aware of that, uh, where they take your private property and make it communal, um, that that is that's actually stated in uh, the UN's plan and uh, the World Economic Forum's uh, plan uh, for the Great Reset. That's that they're already putting that in place. So if that's if that's kind of your your belief, then okay, um, I would encourage you just to put that into practice. And what we're seeing also with this is part of Marxist ideology is deconstruction in order to reconstruct a new ideology, right? They want to deconstruct history. They want to take what was what's true history and replace it with a, a reconstructed history. Uh, critical race theory is part of that. Um, then you've got education. What we're seeing happen to education, just, just the deconstructing of, of what is right and good um, and what students need to learn, and now they're trying to, to teach them their own set of values and beliefs and morals. Um, then you got religion, right? Deconstructing religion 
um, to this woke religion, this progressive Christianity, if you will, a state religion um, that you see in places like China and other communist countries. Economic, I just mentioned that, wealth redistribution. Um, and what you end up finding out is that there's an elite class and then there's everybody else. Um, and then socially, wanting to deconstruct social norms to make things normal that should not be normal. Um, and there's an agenda. I've I, I read just this week, and you may have seen this, that at a library where kids go to read and they're wanting to promote reading, and I'm all for kids learning to read, but there was a um, at one library, uh, a group that um, is associated with the LGBTQ put a, a rainbow-colored monkey in this monkey-like figure in the library, and attached to this was a um, a dildo, um, and it also exposed buttocks on this monkey in a library where kids would come in to read. And after they after they were called out on it, obviously they were like, "Oh wow, we're sorry, we didn't realize it was going to cause that much of an issue." They knew exactly what they were doing. Another one is the San Francisco Gay Men's Chorus, who put out a song. Uh, released a song saying that they were going to come after our children. Speaking of those who believe in biblical values, that that marriage is between a man and a woman, um, and they literally stated that. Now there was nothing satirical about it. They were they were basically showing the cards, so to speak, and and saying this is our agenda. This is exactly what we're about and what we're doing. And if you don't believe me, you can go and look that up. And I know that for some, it's going to be there's going to be this cognitive dissonance that you're not going to want to believe this. But and and that's okay. You don't have to. But the truth of the matter is that this is happening, and um, and it's part of the social deconstruction of what has been normal and what has been right and good and reconstructing a new ideology. Um, that's all part of a Marxist ideology. It's it's it's. At its core, it is evil. And then you have, I'm going to just mention one more thing I think is a wildfire that's taking place in our culture, and that is inflation. I mean, we're seeing in the United States specifically uh, inflation increase at a rate that is almost unprecedented. Let me give you some examples. Car rentals right now uh, have increased by 87.7%. Used cars. If you've tried to find a used car, good luck finding one. And if you do find one, you're going to pay as much for a used car as you would for a new car, it seems. Used cars... The inflation rate, 45.2%. Gas is up 45.1%, and you know that. If you've gone to get gas for your vehicle, and I'm sure you have, you've realized how the how gas prices continue to steadily um, increase. And so depending on what part of the United States you're in or what part of the world you're in, you've seen increases in that. Laundry machines, all right? 29.4% increase. Airfare, 24.6% increase. Moving expenses, 17.3%. Hotels, almost 17% increase. Furniture, almost a 9% increase. Bacon, for all you bacon lovers out there, it's increased by 8.4%. Even though I know the Biden administration said that they saved a 16 cents on um, hot dogs for 4th of July, we all should be very grateful for that 16 cents of savings for hot dogs, um, just so you know. So there is a little bit of silver lining in the clouds um, with that. Um, TVs, uh, 7.6%. Fruit, 7.3%. Shoes, Fresh fish. I mean, I could go down. Uh, new cars, five point three. Rent has increased. I mean, th- these are just a few of the items that have been reported um, that inflation has affected. Uh, if you're trying to build a new house, uh, I've heard that lumber prices are coming down a little bit, but you they almost tripled. Lumber almost tripled, if not more so, in cost, and so new constructions began to decline. And economists are saying that this is only going to get worse. So I'm saying I'm saying all this to say that there are so many things 
wildfires that are happening that are spreading across our country and around the world. The world is literally on fire. Um, and I know that when you look at this and think of this, think about this, you're thinking, man, this just sounds like there's no hope. But I do believe there is hope. I do believe there is hope. And as a as a follower of Jesus, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, my hope is in Him. And I find how to navigate life um, as I read His Word and as I spend time with Him in conversation and prayer, and not just talking to God and asking God to give direction and um, sharing with Him what my needs are, because He knows my needs. But but as I spend time listening to Him, because prayer is a two way it's a it's a two way street. It's it's talking to God, but then it's listening to God. And I would say more of it needs to be listening than it is just talking to Him about what you need. But it's listening to what God is saying. And I believe that as a, as a follower of Christ, God has given us His Word, His Scriptures, um, to show us how to live this life we live in. Um, we're between two worlds. We're between what the world we live in and the world that's to come. For us as believers in Christ, God's promises to us that He is coming for us in His Son, Jesus Christ. He's coming back for us, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth, and I'm so looking forward to that day. And I'm thankful for the hope and the salvation I have in Jesus Christ. And you can have that same hope as well. But as I'm living now, and as we're living in this world, when I look at Scripture, truth is truth. And when we follow God's ways instead of our own ways, God's Word says that, that we will be blessed because we're walking in a way of blessing. When we walk in His ways, there are blessings as we follow after His ways. But when we choose to do our things our own way, when we try to make our own truths, when we try to create our own narratives, when we... Um, when we when we go away that that is is destructive, I mean it's going to end in destruction, and we're seeing that. Um, so so what so what can we do though to help put out the fires? Well, I think one is be aware of what's going on in our culture. I've been and probably shouldn't be, but I've been surprised at how many people have no clue what's going on. Uh, when it comes to what's taking place in the government, what uh, who our government officials are, what's taking place in their own communities, what's taking place in the medical community, uh, what's going on within churches, what's going on within... I- I'm surprised at how many people have no awareness of what's taking place. So I would say be aware of what's going on, and don't just, don't just uh, go to places like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News, or but, but begin to dig and do some research and find those that are consistent threads Incredible voices that you can that you can that you can listen to, um, and as a as a believer in Christ, I would encourage you just to ask God to give you discernment. Give you discernment. The Spirit of God is going to lead you into truth. That's what Scripture says. But be aware of what's going on and invite people who are willing to listen and participate in the conversation. Invite them into that conversation and have it. Do your research. Get documented facts. Don't be combative. Um, let people make their choices. But but do your do your research, right? Do do your own study. Don't don't let people tell you what you should believe. Find out what it is that you do believe. Um, and then secondly, if, if if you're a follower of Christ, I just mentioned this um, that believing that Jesus is our hope and He is. Um, what it doesn't mean is that we don't engage in helping our world become healthier and become better, right? I, I believe that. God wants us as believers to steward this world well and the people that he's given us. So knowing the truth and speaking the truth is is a loving thing to do, and I believe that's stewarding well what God has entrusted to us, the people who are our friends, the people we work with, um, the community we live in, that we're to steward this well. So ultimately, we point people to Jesus and the hope we have in his great salvation, but while we're here, let's steward well what he's entrusted to us, and let's be salt and light. So there's just a couple things of how we can help put out these fires, speak into this, 
um, we're not to be um, separated in the in the sense that we're not engaged in what's going on politically or what's going on in our community or what's going on uh, socially or what's going on economically, what's going on um, at re- in, re- in religious circles. We're to be engaged in these things, and we should we should be salt and light. We should be making a difference. So I hope that as you've listened to this, you'll listen with a very receptive um, heart, very receptive mind. Think on this, pray through this. If you're if you are a follower of Christ, um, and and just let God get direct your direct your steps in this. So thanks again for joining me uh, on this episode, and I look forward to you joining me next time on Crossroads in Culture.